as I was telling you all as someone else, uh, rather than me telling a story, our producer Merrily is going to get up and tell a story. Please welcome to the stage, Merrily! You know that um, sickening, lovely feeling when you see someone who you love and you've loved them so deeply and so completely that your heart explodes and breaks and turns into confetti and you want to cry and laugh and scream and dance a jig all at the same time. And it's wonderful until they're not your person anymore. And then the next time you see them, and it's been a year since you last saw them and you haven't spoken about how badly it ended, and you see them, and you can't escape them because you're in a small room at a show together and you didn't know that they would be there. And you know that they must have known that you would be there because you were in charge of it. So obviously they wanted to see you and they somehow couldn't be bothered contacting you in the intervening 12 months to say, I'm sorry. And you bolt out of that room as soon as the show is done and go to the toilets and panic because you're not sure how to look at them without crying. And you're being a professional tonight, so it's not a great place to be weeping. So I sat there in the bathroom for a little while and figured out what I would do because I figured there were two options. I could either take the terrifying risk of putting my heart in my hands and going and speaking to this person who had broken it very badly or I could run away and go home. (laughs) which is really what I wanted to do. So much so that I left the toilets and snuck out through the front door and bolted down the street because I was like, yes, avoiding that awkward situation. But then as I was running down the street to try and get far enough away to book an Uber (laughs) so that I wouldn't have an awkward exit interaction, there was a tiny part of me that said, Merrily, is this the person that you want to be? You know, you speak to other people about being wholehearted, about taking risks, about being honest and authentic. And here you are running away from what could be a really honest moment. So in that moment, I decided that I was going to be brave, even though I didn't know how and I didn't know what was going to happen. But all I knew is that the person I wanted to be was a brave person. And so I went back. And I found the person in the bar and I went up and said, this really hurts my heart seeing you. And he said, it hurts my heart too. And we ended up sitting and talking for about three hours and like everything came out, you know, all my anger and my disappointment and my sadness about how everything had gone and all he could say was, I'm sorry. And... Nothing more happened after that night. I thought, oh, maybe we can be friends. And I left that place going, the ball's in your court. And it's been years and he never called. But I was brave. And that's what matters.
Hi everyone and welcome to Two Words with Taku. I'm Taku Mbudzi and I'm sitting here with the gorgeous and lovely and friendly and interesting Marilee McCoy who is the producer of the Melbourne version of The Moth Story Slam. Is that how you do introduce yourself? How would you, what would you say? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty close. I mean, I normally talk about that I'm the, yeah, the, the local producer for the Melbourne Moth Story Slam. Yeah, so that's pretty close. Yeah. And because your name is Marilee M- McCoy, I've just had M's, you know, alliteration like floating around. It's like, okay, how do I say it? So anyways, <laughs> good people, this is who I'm with. And if you've listened to any of my other podcast episodes, you have heard how much I love the moth. And, you know, I talk about it all the time mm-hmm. and I tell people about it. And so to be able to sit with you is amazing because... Because um, I love the moth too. <laughs> she does. So in fact, I could, you know, go on and on, but... Mm-hmm. Could you maybe tell the story of how we ended up here in your own words? Oh, I, yeah. How would you how would you tell somebody how we've ended up in the actual venue that you use for the Melbourne Moth? Yes. Yeah. Recording this podcast. Okay. Like uh, <laughs> you, you and I. Yes. yes. Or the broader story. <laughs> um. Let's go. You and I, and right. then we'll go broader. Well, uh, was it last week we had our monthly story slam? And uh, Taku got up and bought it. Well, actually, I think I ran into you and I was scouting for judges and you kind of tentatively asked me about how it worked and what had to happen. And the next thing I know, your name had been pulled out and you told this beautiful story. And, um, and then we had a bit of a chat afterwards and then you emailed me and were like, I want to interview you about storytelling in the moth. And I thought that sounded super fun because I'm a little bit of a podcast fan too, so... Getting yeah. to be on one is also exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, so, yeah, listeners, if you're here for the first time, my podcast is all about writing. And I talk about the journey that I'm going through as a writer, uh, wanting to t- take my stories onto TV and film, and just the different things that I write about and tell stories about um and so i've been listening to the moth for a long time mm-hmm. i only heard about it probably six months ago and i knew that the story slam was coming up and the tickets sold out for the last one mm-hmm. and then i literally was on the website like refreshing <laughs> refresh i'm gonna get those tickets refresh refresh got my two tickets and then afterwards it's like oh it's not selling out right now what's wrong with people after doing that <laughs> yeah and all i wanted to do was to come and watch because mm-hmm. I went, you know what? I'm always talking. I'm always talking. Let me just sit and listen. Then I bumped into you and I was like, oh, that's the chick. Because um, at the door, the guy said, ask her if you mm-hmm. ever want to tell stories. And then so I was looking at you. And I was like, oh, okay. Yep, she looks interesting. And then you came around and I went, oh, should I? Oh, yeah, all right. Um, and then afterwards is when I started looking you up. Mm-hmm. And then the first thing I saw, honestly, was that you like tea. So already, like, okay, <laughs> this is my kind of chick. Yes. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about how you ended up being the producer of The Moth in Melbourne? Yeah, well, I actually met a team from The Moth, uh, because The Moth is actually based in New York. So the head office is there, and that's the, been the home for The Moth for like the last 20 years. Um, and over the story slams I think were established not long after the moth actually began and then they slowly expanded around America and then um gosh how long was it ago in 2013 I want to say it was I was I'd moved to Melbourne the year before and I was working for Melbourne Writers Festival and ironically I am not the best reader um 
I, that's a whole other story, but uh, I love stories and I had been deep into podcasts by that point, you know, This American Life and mm-hmm. then discovered The Moth through that and, and a bunch of other ones. And so when I heard that The Moth were coming, uh, I was like, oh, there's somebody in the program who I recognize, like they are going to be my friends this festival. They don't know it yet. Oh, so <laughs> they were coming to... to the festival. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they were doing what they call a main stage, which is where they, they curate, um, three to five storytellers um, to tell a slightly longer story. So they have a couple of the directors work with them and, you know, shape up something that's a bit more meaty than just the five minute slam mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. And um, it was at Melbourne town hall. It was on opening night and it was amazing. Oh my God. Magnus Abansky told this still one of my favorite moth stories. Really? Mm. Where can we hear it? Is oh, it anywhere? It's, yeah. It's on the moth.org. I think it's called uh, reclaiming fear and it actually I hadn't realized until I had then recently listened to her memoir on audiobook, but the moth story was sort of the beginnings of the story that she tells in her memoir about, um, about her father, about her own, um, sexuality and anyway, getting off topic. So I went to this incredible main stage and I was just like, Oh my God, the moth in real life is amazing. And I had, um, yeah, befriended the team who came out and was just kind of, being a hospitable festival staff member. Yes. And um, I was so excited after that event because sitting in this room, like, you know, Melbourne Town Hall with a couple thousand people and it was just silent. Mm-hmm. And just hearing this one person share a story and, you know, Magda's such a beloved comedic yeah. figure, but her story wasn't funny. It was yeah. just like, ah. yeah. um, And... So I remember going up to um, Kirsty, who was one of the producers at the time, and saying, um, when you're ready to bring this to Melbourne, I will be doing that. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. That is amazing. Yeah. And so it wasn't for another couple years. Um, it was in 2015 that they had were coming back again for the Writers' Festival. And I had heard that they were looking at launching the slams. And so I just immediately got back in contact with them and was like, I still really want to do this. Yeah do you need help? Have you already got someone? And and it just kind of rolled on from there. So yeah, I've been involved since, you know, the point of looking for a venue in Melbourne. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I think I've only missed like two slams in two years. So um, yeah. Okay. Um, I have so many questions. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's, It's just, it's just amazing to me to be, listening to how those kinds of things happen so the story of how Mm. you ended up here because it is about stepping out and you know if you if if that's what your fire is and your passion is you kind of end up um, like navigating towards those kinds of people gravitating towards them and then it just kind of slots into place um so i like i like that about you and and i think even when i was looking at your twitter stuff you have a lot of brene brown kind of <laughs> vibes i'm like yep this chick and i yes again um that whole thing of stepping out and being able to tell the real story yeah the not so yeah. comfortable stuff uh so then it got me curious about what what is the story because you said you moved from somewhere mm-hmm. and then you do quite a lot of different things mm. you're wearing couple of different hats so how would you yeah or how do you share what what you're about or what you you do yeah well I think it's it's definitely been a journey um for sure and I think um yeah in a lot of ways the moth has been one of the pillars in that um or at least you know just audio storytelling um there's a lot of 
uh, storytelling podcasts that I've listened to that um, have been really, yeah, significant, I guess, mm. to me and, and how I just love the way that this, um, it's such an intimate experience. You know, mm-hmm. you have someone's voice just in your ears and it's you on the tram and you're like, don't cry. Yeah. And you're crying. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> that's usually yeah. what happens when I listen to them off. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do I tell that journey? You know, I think, um, you know, my background was mainly in, uh, in, I trained in theater. Um, mm-hmm. and when I had graduated, I was working in a few different areas doing sort of kids entertaining and various other like teaching drama for kids and things like that. And then, then I'd moved to Wellington in New Zealand and, uh, oh, so wait, is that where you were born? No, or... I was actually born in Sydney, but grew up mainly in Brisbane. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, I know. So you've moved. I've moved around a lot yeah (laughs) um but the yeah being in in Wellington was really where I kind of I guess kicked off the the arts part of my career I was doing the whole thing of like having a day job and then I would work on shows at night and yeah uh you know I founded a festival over there um because I used to do a lot of improv and so Mm -hmm. I founded an improv festival which is still running today which is cool uh, and I used to do sketch comedy with my now husband. So yeah. he would write and then I would kind of edit and direct and usually, but well then eventually I moved into producing too. And so I kind of had this, you know, wild ride over there of doing lots of things and then started getting into working in festivals and that really carried over when I moved to Melbourne, which was five and a half years ago now. Um, and yeah, I just, I really loved the energy of festivals and this sort of like way that people would come together and, you know, have this big experience and then like, what would that have an impact on people afterwards? Um, Mm -hmm. And particularly, you know, working for Melbourne Writers Festival, which is a really significant Mm -hmm. literary festival with a lot of interesting programming. And I had actually never been to a writers festival before Melbourne Writers Festival. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, actually I take that back. I had been to the writer's week part of New Zealand festival before, but that was because I was working on that festival. So as an attendee, I hadn't been before. And so I think it, it just started to open up these ideas to me about, cause I thought writer's festivals weren't for me cause I wasn't a good reader, mm-hmm. but actually what I found is I think writer's festivals are more a place to discuss ideas and understand process and, um, yeah, writers are an interesting bunch. <laughs> oh gosh, look how much time do we have? Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah. So anyway, a couple of years ago, I, I just kind of decided that the anyone who's ever worked on festivals knows it's quite a grueling cycle to go through. It's mm-hmm. like high highs, low lows. You get really stressed. You get sick. You're really mm-hmm. tight with a team and. I just really needed a break because it's, it's, it's tiring. Um, and so I started looking at ways that maybe I could transition out of the, the arts as a career, but still, um, I guess use my creativity. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that had started to emerge was, um, the storytelling Mm -hmm. piece because, you know, I'd spent the better part of 15 years training in narrative long form improvisation. So I knew what it was to try and find a story in the moment and then, you know, being connected with the moth and seeing, that kind of impact of what it is to have that space for sharing stories and connecting in real life with people. So it's kind of led me to this place of developing some work around um, helping people who aren't storytellers and who think they're not creative to actually get some more confidence with how they can 
be a bit a little bit more vulnerable and bring out their voice you know mm-hmm. if they're an entrepreneur in business like helping them to really um utilize the power of this of their own stories yeah. and really embrace that to build better connections with people yeah mm. uh, and I, I i really resonate with that because um i think i was reading on your website about how story can influence your business pretty much you yeah. know are you believable? Do you sound real? Do you sound like a person I can relate to? Mm. Like, why should I trust you enough to buy your products? Or why should I, yeah. you know, and I think people do underestimate the power of that. I just read a post on, I think it's on Medium, and they said something like, um, this guy interviewed Seth Godin and said, if I gave you $1,000 and 90 days to start a business from scratch and, and nobody knows your name and you have nothing, what would you do? And he just talked through the process of finding those people that you can um, tell a certain type of story. So I think he ended up picking uh, families with small kids Mm -hmm. and he was going to help them find the best Airbnb places in Paris. So it's so targeted. Yeah. But as soon as he started telling the story of why and Mm. and everything, it just, it made sense. And I think that's what's really interesting for me because I've been public speaking for the last 10 years. So mm. I get on stage and I tell my story. Oh, I came from Zimbabwe to Australia. It was hard. And now I'm trying, you know, and people always go, wow, that's really inspiring. Mm. But now it's like because I'm trying to make TV, it's like turning it around to say why I'm telling these stories and why I'm yeah. trying to do this. And and the main reason is because I see people, who, like you said, who don't know how to tell their stories, mm. who don't think they have the magic or who don't think they have a gift or they, they just kind of feel like oh you know we're just gonna coast along so i think that was also something that i really um kind of tugged at my heartstrings in terms of what you're doing because i think it's really powerful that people know how to own their own stories and then just tell it how it is and then people love it or they don't and then you kind of you know you'll find your tribe or you'll find your Mm. People, they'll but find it's also, you. I think it's also just that it's actually like a, it's actually a healing process too. And I mean, I've mm. had to do that for myself. You know, we talked about Brene Brown before, and like she's been a huge influence on, um, <clears throat> you know, the way I look at the kind of life I want to live. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I used to be somebody who was very people pleasing, very scared mm-hmm. of putting myself out there, um, very tentative about having big opinions and ideas, and it was you know it wasn't until actually I encountered her work and talking about shame and vulnerability mm-hmm. and um gosh I remember when I first listened to her TED talk um oh, the big one about mm-hmm. power of vulnerability yeah and I remember just being riveted for like 20 minutes and just crying and crying and crying and then going and waking up my husband and being like you have to watch this right now <laughs> um but it's still the same today because I think the thing is that she speaks about something which I think is so true for us which is that if we don't acknowledge and um you know take ownership over those things that have happened to us in the past then in some subconscious way they're going to run the decisions we make today oh oh my gosh preach yeah and it's and it's the same as um you know when uh earlier this year i got to speak at the um fuck up nights in melbourne yeah 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 i have and um that oh i love that event so much but it's it's just to have a space to go I failed and yeah. I'm okay. And yeah. I think that there's too much talk these days of like, oh, look shiny, at me. Uh, shiny Instagram, look at me lying uh, on the beach with my six-figure passive income. Uh, and it's all bullshit. <laughs> and I just, I'm like, I'd rather honestly, if somebody comes up to me and says, how are you, be able to honestly say, oh, I'm okay today. Yeah. Not great, but, you know, yeah. because 
why do we have to be happy all the time? Anyway, no, going off on a tangent, I don't remember n- what the question was originally. No, neither do I. But I mean, that's half of the fun of this is just the, how those wires cross. But yeah, mm. that whole thing of just being okay and just telling your story and being who you are. And, mm. I, and I must say, even coming to the moth that night, mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to get up because I felt the pressure. Oh. Because from for me, I do the public speaking keynote thing. Mm-hmm. So give me 30 minutes. I could tell your story. Oh my yep. gosh, I'll kill you. And then stand up again. Mm-hmm. I Give me 20 minutes. I can tell you jokes, blah, blah, blah. But then when I read the thingy on the website and said no stand up, mm-hmm. I actually felt like, well, then what kind of story? I don't even know what story I'll tell. Yeah, yeah. So I actually felt like I didn't have a story for the moth. Oh, interesting. So I thought, no, I'm just going to come and listen. Mm. And and so walking in and then you said, oh, no, no, we don't want people to just run off jokes. Mm. Then I was like, oh, so what kind of story would I tell about creepy? And then that ghost one came up. Yeah. And so then I, I literally had to rewrite it in my mind. Like, I need an ending. I need to arc this. I need to, like, how am I going to do mm. this? And then I sat there writing. Yeah. And then I was going, please, I hope they don't pick me. And sure enough, I get picked. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but yes, but oh my gosh, what is going on? Yeah. And then just how the how the audience received it actually blew me away. Mm. The, moth, I, the moth audiences are really special. Oh my God. And I got to go to a few um, events with the moth. I've been over recently to, uh, to New York to visit... Yeah. Um, all the moth people and uh we got like we got to go to a few different story slams there and it was nice to be like you know they've got their own vibe it's new york like yeah i think americans are a bit more comfortable with just getting up there and airing their laundry um and australians have a different vibe but still the audience is still just as loving and appreciative Mm. and um and I also say that always when I'm briefing the judges at the story slams, one of the things we we always say to them is, you know, we're judging the story and not the person. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you might really like the person uh, and that's okay, but you want to score their story and it's we're trying to find the best story. But also ah. we want to acknowledge that it's a really scary thing that someone's yeah. doing to get up there. <laughs> And we want to love them for that and show them some love and respect for the fact they have the courage to get up. So, you know, I try and plant yeah. that in the judges' minds yeah. so that they're not, you know, I think if you were scoring professionals, it would be different. But because mm-hmm. this is real people sharing something that's real from their lives, we want to celebrate that. honor that, that. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting you say that because that night there was one guy who had quite a... Um, I don't know if the, it's not fire, but he was talking about mental health mm. stuff. And at first I found it quite confronting. Mm-hmm. But then when I was listening to what he was saying, I was like, that is a powerful story. And it was <clears> a painful story, but I still felt like, oh, you know what? He had just as much right to mm-hmm. share it as somebody else. Mm. Um, so I was going to ask you, what, what do you think makes a good story? Let's just go completely okay. back to basics. Somebody <laughs> is green. They have no clue. Uh-huh. What what makes a good story? Hmm. Well, I think in the context of like, if it's about sort of sharing your story mm-hmm. or just let's go stories in general. Let's go something like, which happens quite a lot. So mm-hmm. maybe somebody goes to a meeting, mm-hmm. a new group meeting, and, and and they say, "Oh, we're going to go around the room and everybody mm-hmm. tell us a little bit of your story." Yep. And most people can go. Yeah. My name is Jack. I like eggs. Um, yes. You know. What in that situation? If you had to tell yourself 
uh-huh. or your story? What do you think makes a good story? Yeah, well, I mean, I think not overcomplicating things is number one. I think often people assume that what they have is not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, a story is just, you know, there's a beginning, something happens, and then the person is changed, like, and the story is resolved. So it's actually just like that beginning, middle, and end that is the basic structure of a story that's worked for millennia. And yeah. um, we don't have to necessarily get more complicated than that. So I think if, if you're thinking about, um, you know, in terms of if it's your own story, then I would be like, you know, uh, it's that whole idea of the hero's journey, like the world as it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, something changed you learned something you went through a a trauma or an excitement and then afterwards you saw the world in a different way so I think that's a pretty classic thing another one is um, to have I think strong character so like putting yourself at the center of your story I think always makes it more powerful like you know if you're you're the main character if it's your story Mm -hmm. but if it's you know a story you're writing then I think the main character has to be three-dimensional and have Mm -hmm. opinions and ideas and be be fully formed you know Mm -hmm. um then also i think i always enjoy stories that have a lot of um richness like a detail and color and um you know sometimes in on the moth stage we see that in you know people are able to take you know a single moment and kind of expand Mm -hmm. that out for five minutes and it's all about you know the color of the trees and like what they could smell and what was happening when they looked at that person's face and so i think it's all the details often make a story come to life um and that's because all of that stuff like sticks in our brains more um anyway so structure character yeah <laughs> a bit of that color and detail um and for me, I think, yeah, that there has to be a change. Like, if there's no, if there's no stakes, if somebody yep. didn't learn anything, then that's, there's not really, it's just a, a series of events that happened. It's mm-hmm. not, I don't know, nothing came out of it. And, yeah. and that's something that I often get frustrated in when I watch movies is like, sometimes I just go, but this was just, this character was exactly the same. Mm. Why? Why yeah. did I just see them go through this if they're going to be the same? Like, yeah. Actually, that's interesting you say that because right now, um, yeah, learning about screenwriting and everything that you're saying, developing characters, mm. and then what are the things that they want? Like, what what are they yearning for? How are they going to get there? Because that's mm-hmm. what hooks people in. It's like, oh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm invested. I'm curious. And um, with with the moth and all the stories you must have heard, I mean, mm-hmm. hundreds, if not thousands. Thousands. <laughs> Would it be thousands? Uh, Does it, 10 a month for over two years so probably not thousands hundreds same same um (laughs) (laughs) what what do you think makes the moth stories so powerful or what do you think what do you think the magic of the moth is oh that's a big question uh and why i mean after two years Somebody could look and go, oh, God, aren't you just bored of hearing people's Mm. stories? But, yeah, so what is it? What is it about the moth stories that is, yeah, magic? Well, I think for me it's it's because the the moth creates a space for regular people to be heard. Like, they, it's not, I mean, obviously they do get professionals who come along and, 
do stories, but I mean, some of my favorite moments sitting on the stage had been watching a storyteller who didn't know what they were coming to, just came because friends invited them, mm. and then got up and went, oh, I don't know, and then started telling this thing. And then in the midst of it, you can see this moment where they're like, oh, that's how oh that's how I'm different because of this thing you know there was one guy in particular who told a story about he started off kind of telling a story about his family and and he this sort of amusing scene of how his dad would cook um, the veggies and dinner and the sort of banter that they'd have and then as he kind of rolled on through the story it was like we he was sort of discovered it at the same moment that we did that he was like wow I'm like this is a person because that's how my dad was and so I think it's because it it holds space for us to have to hear real stuff and I Mm -hmm. think particularly in the space today where you know it's more digital it's more like we're hyper connected but we're not actually having those deep conversations and and being able to really sit with somebody that to have this space where you can listen to a stranger share something that's that was happened to them um i think i think we crave it like it takes for me it takes me back to that that image in my mind of like sitting around the campfire and mm-hmm. not that i've done that a lot but i think it's something innately human that we're drawn to this space to be like we're all coming here to hear this sort of wisdom through story and um we don't really get that opportunity i mean mm-hmm. particularly when people are you know i don't live near my family i mm-hmm. really i don't get to have that whole wisdom of the elders passed down and mm-hmm. so I think maybe some part of us craves that space that we can't we don't have mm-hmm. um, in real life that's not online because the connection is different I think yeah mm-hmm. no I, I I think I agree and also you talked before about the power of audio t- um, audio telling mm. or audio storytelling sorry and I think that is the power of the moth because, like you said, there's something about hearing mm. hearing somebody share their heart yeah. and you can't see them. I know for me personally, when I started this mo- uh, this podcast, a moth cast, um, <laughs> when I started my moth cast, I, <laughs> I did it because I wanted to speak unfiltered. Mm. So I've come from the public speaking world yep. where... I have to be structured. I'm talking to children, mm-hmm. you know, you can't be dropping F-bombs. <laughs> and then on the flip side, I was doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I'm unfiltered. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like, oh, there's this... I, I can speak in both these places, but I just want to speak yeah. about whatever I want to speak about. I want to speak about everything to do with mm. my experiences. And what I found is that when I know people can't see me, there's just something where I just... Zero F's are yeah. given. <laughs> and I and I just feel yep. I just feel so much free, and yet I I've always felt free. Mm. I've just been you know in a certain situation that has influenced how I tell my stories. Yeah. But here I will literally go. Oh, you know what? I'm the queen of trying. That's mm-hmm. what I am, and mm-hmm. this is what I'm thinking, and this is what I'm feeling. And then I watch the downloads. I'm like, oh wow, people are listening to yeah. that. Or people message me and go, oh, that's that's me. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's something really powerful about that that is exciting to the point where again I mean I keep talking about why I just kind of gravitated towards you because of all these different links about Mm -hmm. um, playing with how you share share with people Mm -hmm. and then how you inspire and lead people to be definitely and I think that there's there's you know there's such a strong need for storytelling in that 
and why I mean it's kind of becoming a bit more of a buzzword these days but I think that it's true I mean Mm. because number one like scientifically our brains will retain a story better than we would just retain data Mm -hmm. so like to actually be a leader in a workplace and say you're presenting a report on like sales figures like actually being out if you could frame that in a story mm-hmm. people will remember it um and you know it's one of the things i think with the moth too that is um getting back to why that's powerful as well is because the they talk about it the moth that um great moth stories are, are told not read and mm. so uh, you know if people ask me about how to do it often i'm just like imagine you're just telling a friend and it's the good place to start with what's a story like what's a story i have is like think about um what's one that you know friends will be like oh i'll tell them that story about when this happened or one that you've you've told a few times to friends and you know it gets a good response like that's always a good place to start with a with a story for the moth i think um and everybody has those don't they i even had um because i work out of a really awesome co-working space in South Bank um, called One Roof, which is all supporting female entrepreneurs and business owners. And we have like every week a Friday, like get together Friday drinks. And I was sitting around with a couple of people and uh, because I'm, I'm so extroverted, I'm like, okay, everybody, we're going to go around and say something we can high five ourselves with for this week. You know, yeah. and we went around and did that. And a couple of people were like, oh, I can't think of anything. And after we'd done that, I said, okay, now um, we're going to do... Uh, let's let's you know share a story and a couple of people were like oh no I don't have any you know <laughs> and I was like well let me tell you one and mm. I just told this like super quick awkward story basically about how I got distracted by a boy at high school and fell down some stairs and had to be taken to the hospital oh because oh, <laughs> I almost oh. broke my leg uh and then you know immediately they were like oh oh yeah when I did this I was such a rat bag when I was a kid or yeah. oh my cousins did this or yeah and and I just think it is part of how we relate and yeah. if we take away that pressure of like oh i have to deliver something and just Mm -hmm. remember it's actually how we build rapport and trust and confidence in each other then of course like if i say yeah all this time i hurt myself when i was a kid you know you would probably then have one to go oh yeah Yeah. i did that too because it's that's the cycle of building empathy and trust i think oh absolutely and so even them setting the themes i think is so powerful because Mm. You have this word so you know for our one it was creepy and then i mean there have been so many other mm-hmm. ones but it's almost like that word becomes the tie-in for like how do how does this word play out in people's lives yeah. or whatever and even just when you listen to the kinds of stories and how people tie them back mm. again it's it's so fascinating because yeah, yeah we, we're all you know congregating against this word around this word or this theme and then our experiences and how we share sometimes the really real stuff around Mm. that is again you feel like yeah you're not alone you're not so crazy you're not the only (laughs) person so crazy you know (laughs) who knows creeps or has been a creep or whatever the theme is and i i really like that as well because Mm. for the creative people then you know you've got the time to play around like oh how could i yeah tell the story um so in terms of just for you now, so mm-hmm. you're doing the moth, and I know you do some other stuff with the trash puppets, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I think, the cutest thing ever. <laughs> it's pretty fun, yes. It is, yeah. like, oh, um, so just letting you know she works, uh, yeah, how would you, <laughs> what would you say about trash puppets? Uh, trash puppets, we uh, basically do sustainability education 
in schools and for workplaces we we sort of tilt it more towards creativity and innovation but we teach people how to make puppets out of recycled materials um that's the simplest form of saying it but you know it's a really it in itself too it's a really transformative thing because i've had more than one adult do a workshop and be like oh no i'm not creative i can't do it and by the end they're just like (laughs) oh my god this puppet i love it and it's just you know egg cartons and string or whatever but it's it's the act of bringing something new into the world um so yeah i do that yeah actually you talked a little bit about those moments when you watch people realize themselves Mm. or see themselves and oh that is the best feeling that is the best feeling um i did a workshop with some kids actually no conference and Mm -hmm. I say I paired them up and I said come up with a TV idea between the two of you and I had like 300 kids like oh I want to tell you the story and mm-hmm. you know that moment when you when you watch people go oh yeah I have a story and I'd yeah. like to tell it is just oh it's mm. just magic um, but yeah sorry I was trying to ask a question so um, I wanted to find out what what are you aspiring to now or what what do you want to do with your stories or like what do you is there a big dream or like what would you want to do with them and it sounds like a weird question so for example i say i want to make tv i Mm -hmm. want to produce shows and stuff but right now i am super happy i'm content and like that's something i'm working towards it's not you know i'll get there Mm. um so yeah i was just curious for you is there anything that you would love to do or that's kind of in your heart or i don't know yeah i think it's that you know this um project that i've been developing around helping people to get the confidence in sharing their stories because i recognize that you know people like you and i who yeah are comfortable on stage and you know don't have that fear about sharing things about ourselves you know some people do and Mm. whether it's in i think there's there's a lot of um and particularly women still in business who you know we get that story of like we're not enough or um, oh, I, I can't, I can't, there's lots of blocks. And so I think that um, the thing that I'm really interested in with utilizing the power of that storytelling is to help kind of give people the confidence to be able to draw that stuff out for themselves mm-hmm. and really use it. Because I think that, um, you know, the world could do with a bit more connection and vulnerability and empathy. And that would be my small way of contributing to that, I think, to help people to know and to have confidence and to be like, um, oh, yeah, I'm going to this networking event. Um, You know, I already know these are the kind of themes that I can confidently talk about myself with or, um, yeah, I've got a couple stories up my sleeve that explain um, how I developed this business I'm in Mm -hmm. that isn't just like, so what do you do? Blah, 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 you know? And so creating other ways for people to have to have that way into communicating better uh, and more authentically sharing themselves. Because mm-hmm. um, I think when you're, particularly when you're like an entrepreneur or um, in business for yourself, like it's, you have to put yourself it's out there It's so hard much. work. Can we just say it is friggin' yeah. hard work. And it can be ah. exhausting. And I think mm. if, you, if you're overwhelmed by the idea of having to be a little bit vulnerable anyway, then like it puts you on the back foot and... Um, yeah, I really want to be able to help people to feel better about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also, you know, side note, but just lessening the number of crappy PowerPoint presentations in the world. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, I hate them. <laughs> Actually, I saw your Instagram post, and I, uh, um, 
yeah, on my we, rant about PowerPoint. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I was like, mm, yes, I I I hear you. So I I don't like PowerPoint. I try to use Prezi, but then mm-hmm. also, you're right. I have seen people who literally rely on their PowerPoint slides or their visuals. Mm. Actually, most of the times it's really crap visuals. And so during um, the day I work as a technical writer, so helping people Mm -hmm. make beautiful presentations that complement whatever the story is. And um, yeah, I feel like that's a whole nother episode. Like we we would need to go, I mean, because I could go on for ages about Maybe we need to do another one just about presenting. (laughs) No, no, seriously. And I, wait, let's watch our time. We could. Sorry, listeners, we're, we're, we're just rolling real as we are. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, we'll have to, no, we'll have to do it another time. But yes, that kind of stuff really interests me. Mm. So how you write your story mm-hmm. and how you present it completely changes how people yeah. receive it and listen to it. And so setting the tone for the kind of um, story you want to tell or mm-hmm. receive from others is is important so if you start with a crap slide then that's it good luck yeah but also if you're just reading verbatim off the slides you don't need them like this yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm gonna go down a rabbit hole (laughs) too many it's it's people get bored and i know that sometimes i I think there's a there's a place for um things that add but if it's just there because you feel like oh i have to have powerpoint yeah it's like your backup like yeah yeah Oh, yeah. We'll save that that's, for epi- oh, that's, please, that's episode please. two. <laughs> um, well, no, thank you so much. This has been really wonderful. And I feel like we have so many other chats in there. Yeah, yeah. You really said some, some, some good things in there. So where do people find you if mm-hmm. they wanted to learn more about maybe writing stories? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, where... What's the best place? Sure. Uh, probably I'm on social media, of oh. course. So uh, my Twitter handle is Mezamac, which is M-E-Z-Z-A-M-A-C. I'm on Instagram. It's Merrily Afton. Oh, I'll put the links up. Yeah. People. I'm just, no, I'm just, ugh, because, you know, having an unusual name, you'd think, oh, I can get my, my own name. But do you know what? There's a woman who has Merrily, at Merrily on Twitter, and she doesn't use Twitter. Oh, and I've tried contacting hmm. her so many times going, can I please have this? Because oh, really? you're not using it. And she doesn't respond. Anyway, side note. Let's start again. Uh, <laughs> I'm So yeah, I am on social media, yeah. Merrily McCoy. Um, my website is merrily.me. I love that. Mm. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, come to the moth sometime. Yeah, in so tell us about the moth. Where to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, the moth is all over the states and in three international cities. So there's Sydney, Melbourne, and London, and so we're pretty special. And um, yeah, you can go to themoth.org. Uh, otherwise, we have a Facebook group if you're in Melbourne, um, which is just search for the moth in Melbourne, and there'll be a Facebook group. And if you're in another city, you just search for the moth in your city, and there'll be a Facebook group for it. So yeah. Do come along first Monday of the month uh, at Howler in Brunswick, where we are. We are recording in the moth venue right now, good people. We love Howler. Yeah, it's a, it's such a cool space. I took some wicked photos that night. I'll take some today, and you can have a look on the post as mm-hmm. well. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, my name is Taku, and you can find me and my adventures at taku.com.au or Twitter and Instagram. Though I'm on a diet at the moment, I am at Taku Speaks. But yeah, thanks for listening to Two Words with Taku. See you next time. Bye.